We've been rolling. You got all that B-roll. Uh, yeah, I do love me some good You B-roll. like weird B-roll. Hey, look, B-roll, B-roll makes the chemistry. I'm just throwing that out there. What if I don't want the chemistry between you and I? That's why you're to the right of Greg instead of across exactly. from Exactly. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I'm Ralph. To my right is Greg. Hi, What's Greg. up? Hey, Ralph. You and know- to the right of Greg <laughs> is Sean. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Thanks for taking that from me. I appreciate it. We took a week off, uh, mostly because we recorded a bonus podcast in the same week. (laughs) Sean just teased the crap out of me, literally leaning into his microphone slowly as if he was about to say something and then didn't say anything. Which, by the way, he didn't have a pop filter for his mic, so he just yanked a sock over it. Like some kind of monster. <laughs> it's a clean sock. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh. And it's working quite well. See? You tested your pecans on your mic. Is that what you're saying? Pecans, yes. Pecans, 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 pecans. and paychecks. Yeah, you know, uh, I ordered some HD1 Momentum wireless headphones from Sennheiser. Oh, look at the Momentum series. They're really nice. And also, uh, I could have got them for a bit cheaper. But you wanted to pay more a little bit more because Sennheiser had a limited edition Pink Floyd version of them. (laughs) Nice. I was hoping you were going to just stop with pink version. of. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean, I'm not opposed to wearing pink things, but these are like this fluorescent purple on the side and they have an etched triangle in the. Oh, it looks so good. I can't wait to see them. Wait, wait, etched triangle and it's Sennheiser. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not copying Audio Technica at all. It's a Pink, it's fl- it's a Pink, Pink Floyd. Floyd. Thing. Oh, yeah, it has I the, get it. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Never mind. The, it's a prism. Prism. Yeah. Prism. Yeah. Dark I got those, and I got some of the True Wireless headphones because everybody at work has earbud or AirPods or whatever. Oh yeah. I don't really want AirPods. They suck because they won't stay just, in my ear. So. I just I just had a conversation about this the other day where it's like, how much are those? Are they are they about a hundred? They're a little more than that, I think. I, I thought know. they were 159. Right, but like, I I do the Apple headphones whenever it's like I don't care. I'm running. I can throw these around and be fine with it. But paying like a hundred bucks, I'm like, you know, I could probably just get some like, like good easy listening headphones that aren't just like a throw around pair for that kind of money. I don't know what portion of the market other than Apple fans that they're shooting for. Well, to be fair, they were one of the first to market for like true wireless buds. So that's part okay. of the the appeal there is that, you know, no cables, all that other stuff. But the little charging, the little case that they come with charges them. So it's very small, super convenient to keep with you. You don't have to keep like a tangle. You don't have to keep like a little wrap or you don't have to keep a case with you. So they're the first one to not have any wires connected because like I have a set yeah. of Bluetooth that I got for $7 headphones. I thought they were wired. They weren't. It was really disappointing, actually. Cause now, <laughs> like after three hours, I have to charge them all the time. So I always yeah. forget to charge them. Um, but it's, so yeah. that that's our big appeal is there's no wires at all. So going from seven to 150, the main difference is just no wires. Well, it's no wires, but it also does things like as smart gestures and the true wireless things that I got from Sam Sennheiser are the same way. They're like, if oh, okay. somebody's talking to you, you mm-hmm. can pull one out and it'll pause your music. Oh, okay. oh, that's cool. <laughs> and I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, and it's got some gesture reads. Um, I'm not too familiar with the AirPod ones, but things like the way you swipe your hand over it does different things for volume, answer call, hang up call. And I've heard that their quality is good. It's better than the regular buds that they send with you. Okay, that's it's, good. It's good uh-huh. quality. And mostly because it's the small, like, angled speaker, it's supposed to sit in your ear, not just, like, on your earbud. 
if that makes sense. Um, right, but like there's like the power beats and such that are like again, yeah, like not not necessarily like flat by any means, but they're like good listening headphones and they just like strap into your ears and they have the full seal so you can work out with them and all that. Yeah, so the true wireless ones that I have have that in ear bud. But they don't go over the side of the ear. The reviews I was looking at, you know, obviously your mileage will vary depending on the shape of your ear. But they might sit in there perfectly. Because ultimately, I'm going to return one of these. I don't want both. I ordered both, and I'm going to return the one that I don't want. Um, because the Momentum HD ones, those are wireless. Mm-hmm. and they, But they're over ear. So I know yeah. I'll like those. And I know that I'll enjoy those. But also, the other ones look super convenient. And they have, like, gestures. Like I was saying, you can swipe over your ear to answer a call or to ignore it. Um, that's cool and turn volume up and down skip music all just like through weird subtle gestures you do over a tiny tiny little bud in your ear do they okay so if you answer a call where's the microphone then it's it's a focused array mic so it's designed to pick the voice coming back up your like up your throat and into your cheek instead of trying to pick it up from your mouth. Wow. All right. That makes more sense why they're almost $200. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, the AirPods do that too. That's yeah. the other thing. Is that, like, well, that's what I'm saying. Like the whole... With AirPods, it's very difficult to tell that they're like... I mean, you can tell they're on AirPods, but you're not just getting flooded with extra noise. Right. Yeah, like it sounds... It's mostly just really good improvements on gate and compression because it's... The technology is really good and is well suited to be able to tell when you're talking and it needs to be on and when you're not to be off to the point that it'll turn on and off between words, which is really, really good. And it's, I mean, technology has come a long way since then. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps that it's right up against your face at all times. It's not moving because like, that's the, that's always the issue with like what we're doing right here with podcasting. Like if we move back and forth on the mic a little bit like that, you can't put a gate on it or else you're going to lose junk and it'll sound all choppy. And that's the problem with that most inline microphones, right? Like the ones that do have the wires, but they have a little inline microphone. Yeah. Is that you just turn your head away from the mic, and then all of a sudden your voice is completely lost. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I haven't really spent money on headphones in a long time. The most I've spent is like $30 in the last couple of years. The last time I spent money on them are the ones that I'm wearing now, which are Sennheiser. I think they're 380s. Um, and they're good. They're great. I love them. But it's it's been a while. So I'm excited to get some new audio tech in that's pretty cool well we got a little off topic but you know hey that's what happens our uh, good friends talking audio (laughs) (laughs) our topic this week is what is the best album to listen to while you're inside hiding from the snow this came inspired from the weather forecast for this week where we were like told specifically apocalypse is coming snow Everyone's getting delays before the weekend starts. Like it was, it was supposed to happen Tuesday. I think schools got delayed like Sunday night for Tuesday already. Like it was kind of getting ridiculous. Um, they pre-salted the roads, which never happens. Yeah, like there was salt out on the roads. They had to no do that snow. by hand because we don't even have salting trucks. Yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> for we're just shaking salt shakers across <laughs> the freeway. Man, I'm just for... imagining somebody shaking a burlap sack out the back of the truck <laughs> <laughs> as they drive down 440. <laughs> just a out. guy in a, on a trailer of an open, like an open trailer with just a bunch <laughs> of salt bags in the bag dropping along the way. And for Nashville, that's kind of crazy that they salted the roads because normally we're in like government issues a state of emergency because, <laughs> yo, we forgot to salt. We didn't have the equipment, yeah. so you're going to die if you drive today. 
like that kind of thing. So it's good for them. Yeah. We're, we're making strides in the right direction. Yeah. Unfortunately, weather got nowhere close to that. <laughs> Not it got mean, cold, but it was raining while it was still in the 60s. Um, and then it dried up before it became ice for the most part. Yeah. Which is, that's good. I, I would have been happy to see snow. Definitely not happy to see ice, but... Um, My car wasn't even frosted this morning. And it was cold. It was like mm-hmm. 26 degrees this morning. But there was just zero moisture. My I didn't even have to defrost my car at all. The fun part, though, is when you talk to people that live up north or like in Chicago or Minnesota. My brother's been updating me. And it's negative 29 and it feels like negative 49. He took a picture or a video of the window as he's sitting inside, right? All the edges are iced over. He's inside the building, and there's ice coming through the window. Yeah. And it's a new window. It's not even like an old dorm window. Like, it looks decent. And I'm like, that's terrifying. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I've, I've never been in that. I haven't been that cold. I've been in the negatives before, but like negative two or something. We'd get that in Michigan um, a lot. And that's kind of like some of my excitement for the snow day. So, like, when we were in Michigan... The best part about snow days was we got to like run around and play outside. So we had like giant hills in my backyard and not go to school was the best part. We like have like sled down giant hills in backyard. I convinced my brother to play tackle football because we were in the snow. That's always fun (laughs) because I'm like five years older and like. So you just abuse your brother. Yeah. So like I could tackle him (laughs) and he's just kind of like hold on to my leg as we're playing one on one football. Have you done that recently? I feel like he could take you now. Um, yeah, we avoid sure the topic him. of like any sort of, yeah, yeah. I, I can still like, you know, outrun him. So I just hold him to that. <laughs> My, I had older cousins that were about five years older than me, but they were not blessed with, um, height. <laughs> so the moment I turned like 11 or 12, I was taller than them. And we stopped roughhousing immediately <laughs> because I was able to just pick them up and move them. So they didn't want to play anymore. <laughs> um, That's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I've been in anything other than I was at Tahoe once where it was like a negative seven, I think. Did you ever do, cold. well, I was going to say Hume Lake, which is a camp we used to go to um, sometimes in the winter. My church did. Um, did you Did you ever go with us, Ralph? I know I Sean went. in the winter. It never was that cold. We'd always go up and it would be like just under uh, 32 or way over and the snow all be melting. So it was never cold, yeah. but we always got like the snow effect. Or one time it like gave us a ton of snow and it was like 30 degrees. So like we had a snowball fight for like three hours because it was really warm, but you could still, there was still snow on the ground. Oh man, I don't remember what it's called. There's a lake above Shaver Lake or Shaver Lake. I I don't remember what it's called. Um, but I went to a camp there once and they had a uh, polar bear swim. Yes, mm. um, Those are my and favorite. that was really, really cold. Yeah, I don't remember what it's called. It was like Eagle Lake or something. I, I can't remember for the life of me, but it was mm, that was freezing. Like they, we had to go out on the pier because too close to the shore, it was starting to freeze. <laughs> like it was, there was ice coming yeah. from the shore towards the middle of the lake, and so they're like, you have to swim over here, and then the ice is thin enough, you can break it. <laughs> and they're like that's yep, always the best jimmy's only <laughs> yeah it was uh very very cold um but that being said we're not talking about that we're talking about the best album to listen to oh yeah if it had snowed what would we want to do? <laughs> this right. is like oh man we were hoping so hard not to have to go to work today but um, <laughs> definitely happened. oh man i 
See, that's the problem of when they give you a laptop, you don't get to say that anymore. <laughs> I'm like, cool, you have a laptop, just join remotely. Yeah, you don't get that excuse. But we put down some things about what we think a snow album should be like. I think one of my favorites here is whimsical. I like whimsy, a little whimsy with my snow. Sean does not. <laughs> Sean likes being angry at the snow. <laughs> I mean, if you got to get somewhere, it's terrible. Yeah, it's I, I like snow for for a short period of time, but when it gets to the point where I can't do anything after like a day, that's, that's when I start having problems yeah. with it. I have a very small car, and, and it's not just small; it's also light. So most of the time, if I get snowed on while I'm at work and I have to drive home, I'm basically sliding my way home. My car doesn't really sink into the snow, so I'm just kind of skating a little bit. And usually if I have to get to an off-ramp, I just have to angle my wheels the other way. I just turn into a little bit, then wheel it the other way, and I just kind of slide down. And I hope that eventually I'll hit a patch that lets me straighten out eventually. You know, that's good like times. California that's like driver right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do in cars, right? When he's like, no, you turn the opposite way and you slide. Drifting. Drifting, yeah. I, yeah. I, so you pretty but, much drift very slowly down the off-ramp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Where you're just kind of, mm, uh, Lord, is it my time? Today? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to be. Can it not be? And, um. Yeah. Yeah, we are sorry to say, but our friend Ralph died <laughs> while going five miles an hour <laughs> right <laughs> down on off ramp, right into the ditch, and then got hit by a semi truck. <laughs> oh, that got dark. <laughs> Real All right, quick. yeah, that was yeah. Well, some of the things that we do like when you're uh, at home in the snow, especially when you think about as a kid, you're not going to school, or if you're just kind of cozying up while you're doing some work from home, is that you have way more time, right? You don't have to talk to as many people. Um, whatever you would plan to do for the day has been canceled. So usually you have a bit more free time to do things, which means that you have time to really enjoy the album, right? Um, at the same time, because it's usually quieter, it's colder, everybody's a little more chill. You don't necessarily want something that's going to rock you out of town. So it's, uh, I don't know. For me, I always think about what would I like to drink a steaming cup of hot chocolate next to or on the couch and listen to something while i work that's usually what i'm looking for yeah i i remember the uh we had a few snow apocalypse before in nashville that we've been kind of referencing then when we were at uh going to college we had a coffee shop across the street and uh they would open because most people working the coffee shop also worked or went to belmont at school so I had fond memories of um, procrastinating very long on a paper that I was supposed to be uh, had done on. It was supposed to be done by like Monday. Luckily, we had like snow days through Wednesday and we didn't even have to turn it until Friday because we had half days and all this stuff. So I lucked out really hard that week and <laughs> <laughs> was able to get this research paper that I did not time very, very well. This is your all. one chance. Yeah. So <laughs> finish this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Took extra long, but you know, just got to enjoy the snow and Yeah. Uh, and you know what you can enjoy with the snow? Twenty two, a million by Bony Bear. It's a good album. Um, it's really easy listening and uh, Greg was making a joke that we kind of have to like the whole album. I don't think this is an album that you pick like, oh, I only like these three songs on this album. It's definitely an all or nothing. Like you either really like the whole album or it's just really not your style. It's it's a concept <laughs> piece. It's 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 a piece as a whole, you know, because everything flows into each other. And um, 
it's not like you can pick this is the single. There has been a lot of discussion about whether or not the term high art or low art really applies to anything anymore. Um, it's a really it's it's an old distinction. Things like music and uh, paintings and like drawings and stuff were all considered high art, um, especially operas that would kind of mix the two with a little bit of acting. Uh, whereas like comedy and especially like games and t and TV shows were often considered low art. But in this era of you know really good movies and high quality television and music that's maybe a little bit more leaning towards uh, a pattern or a productivity and is less about trying to be as creative as possible and more about making something that someone just enjoys listening to. Uh, there's been an argument that these things don't matter anymore, but Bon Iver definitely uh, brings some of that back of trying to uh, create the highest art piece he possibly can <laughs> in this. Abandoning all form of structure and uh, previous identity and blending in as many different influences as possible in every possible aspect of this album. My favorite way to kind of describe this album is like we were talking earlier about I've never actually said any of these song titles out loud. And, and you almost you? can't. It's kind of <laughs> just like, yeah, that's kind of how the whole album is. Because you listen to it from start to finish and all of a sudden you're like, you're done. And like, oh, man, that was a great album. All the songs flow pretty well. Or do interesting things. Um, but yeah, there isn't like a standout song because it's supposed to be felt as a full piece. Are you telling me you don't go around asking your friends how they enjoyed 715CR Sigma Sigma KS? <laughs> I mean, I do ask everyone how they like T999 all upside down. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, that makes me just think of Terminator T1000. Anyway, first song we have up on the list. <laughs> is 715CR Sigma Sigma KS or 715 Creeks. Uh, let's go ahead and give it a listen. On the creek I remember something Heard the heron hurried away the breach that last Low moon down the yellow road I remember something That leaving wasn't easy Nor that heaving in my eyes And certainly this evening And it's now is not the time Ooh. Toiling with your blood I remember something And be unrushing, kissing on a night Second to last Finding both your hands If second sun came past the glass And oh, I know it felt bad I had you in my grasp Oh, then how are we gonna cry? Cause it once might not mean something And love a second glance It is not something that will mean Honey, understand that I have been left here in the reeds But all I'm trying to do is get my feet up from the creeds And I see Turn around, you're my 18. 
Turn around now, you're mighty. Goddamn, turn around now, you're mighty. That was 715 Creeks on 22 million. Greg, you have some thoughts about Boney Bear in general. Yeah. So I really got into Boney Bear on his the album before this, uh, self titled. But um, he's been making music for a long time. Um, he started off in a band called something that I can't find at the moment. Uh, he started off on, on his own band. Uh, it's called Demiarm Edition, and um, it broke up. And he like broke up with his girlfriend and got over this like terrible illness all at the same time and uh, ended up moving out to Wisconsin and bunking down in his parents' cabin and ended up writing um, his first record and um, did it all like just with like a 57 and an acoustic guitar. It was very minimalistic. Wasn't really planning on doing anything. After that, got some really um, hype. He went to the second album, built a studio out in that same area, recorded everything out there. But while he was doing that, he started working with a few different guys in different realms of music. So the first one was Kanye West. He went and sampled um, Lost in the Woods, which was on uh, an EP or short section of music. And he did a lot of really cool vocoder type stuff for that. But after working with him, Kanye was also working with Francis and the Lights. Bon Iver eventually worked with Francis the Lights on a song. And after all that, um, Bon Iver's progression of like production and stuff started to change. It, he had the same songwriting style in uh, the self-title to this one. But in the first one, it was a lot more organic. In this one, he starts using the voice in a lot more different ways, using a lot of different electronics. And it's really interesting because he pulls a lot of influences from Francis and the Lights and Kanye West in the sense that Kanye, especially on his last few records, has been all about manipulating the voice as an instrument, as an emotion um, from tracks like Runaway. Um, it's even like the one that he, uh, he was sampled or uh, Bon Iver was sampled on. Um, and then Francis and the Lights created a bunch of different ways of using vocals, but with like piano vocoder since um, kind of the Imogen Heap way yeah but taking it a step further and then eventually Bon Iver took it another step not even just doing that but with sampling and lots of different things that are way out of the normal folk um, for this record so I thought it was really cool how he, he took all of his influences from hip hop and pop and people he's worked together and took what they did and did it his own way um, so I feel like understanding that makes this album make a lot more sense compared to his first acoustic album. Yeah. To this one, if you jump from Skinny Love <laughs> to this song or to the rest of this album, you're like, what? Who is this guy? I mean, this. But knowing those little steps in between make, make helped it make a lot more sense to me. I mean, this this album was three years in the making. Yeah, um, he he like went off to to Greece. He said in an interview he went off to like an island off of Greece and tried to find himself and didn't, and that's how this album started. So it's a very like I guess broken and searching place that he got to. And he's pulling like from the the Francis and the Light stuff. He Francis had a, a synthesizer called the Prismizer that he kind of based 
um, the vocoder-ish type thing that he does in Creeks. Um, he he kind of based the tech off of that. Um, his engineer was Chris Messina, and they called this the Messina. Um, but basically, they ended up using an Eventide uh, harmonizer with a couple instances of auto-tune in Ableton and combining the two to make it work live, and he does that that song live um, and in the studio. So it's all over this record for the most part. This is just the most prominent example on Creeks, but the, the vocoder thing is all over the record. He also likes to do, like, 36 tracks of vocals in a song, too, so it's kind of like, it, could that, that could have been the vocoder. That also could have been him just on a mic doing 36 Weird takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean, that was one of the things that was initially so cool about Imogen Heap, right, is that she did have a vocoder that she could do that live <clears throat> with, that she would just play the piano live and do it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sean and I are both getting over being sick, so there might be some coughing. I'm sorry. Ralph gave it to me. <laughs> uh, well, what a come and hit you anyway, so it's better to come from a friend, right? Oh, God. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I do like how relatively barren the actual noise is in this track. Of There are definitely mo- brief moments of silence or a drop. Um, he doesn't feel the need to fill up the background with more layers, right? He doesn't feel the need to do something on the song other than what he's doing with the vocoder, other than these layers of vocals that he's throwing in. Obviously there's still some very light stuff, but but he doesn't feel the need to like wash it in reverb or anything like that. When the vocoder cuts, it's a hard cut. Exactly. Hard cut, no delays. And it really emphasizes his incredibly wacky lyricism. Um, it might be unfair to call it wacky, but let me tell you, doing research for this, nobody knows what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> like, it's not even close. You go on Genius, and it's like seven different contributors. They all have different ideas. And you know that Genius, the people posting on Genius aren't sure what they're talking about is when they fill their annotation with pictures, okay? And there are pictures all over the annotation of this. <laughs> um, I did like it, though. I think it's fun. It's definitely poetry. In the way that we were talking about some of our previous albums, like Mayday Parade and especially like SZA, um, they were able to express what they feel and what they want without being super flowery about it. Um, and he takes this the a definitely different direction of like, I want it to be open to interpretation. I want to write something that is beautiful and well-written and might mean several different things. And he nails that because this entire album is full of his commentary to himself, as well as his commentary to the audience. He backpedals almost everything that he does with like a little um, phrase to himself. This is a bad song to talk to about because he barely does it in this. But in the next song and the song after, there are always like little asides where he's kind of talking to himself or he says things like, well, that doesn't matter anymore, but... And then kind of just picks up and continues with the rest of the song. Um, This one in particular there are a couple of lines that i i really liked the the second verse i guess they're all kind of verses but the, the second verse he says low moon dawn the yellow road i remember something that leaving wasn't easing all that heaving in my vines uh and as certain at it is evening at is now not the time it's real. i love when things <laughs> rhyme really really well and smoothly um, and he's not even doing it in a format that you would typically expect that level of precision to the words. And it doesn't sound forced. Obviously, it sounds like he picked a bunch of words that rhyme. 
<laughs> but it doesn't sound like he was just going out there to pick a bunch of nonsense words that would sound like they work well together. And and I enjoy it. Um, it seems like he's probably referencing something about the yellow brick road and talking about leaving that um, wasn't as easy it was as it has been in the past and walking away from like the certainty of life or a steady path to follow and finding his own way wasn't as easy as it was before. But it's really hard to tell. To me, that's what it reads like. It reads a whole lot like referencing, hey, I had a path to follow. And when things got rough, I remember that it wasn't super easy to be on here. And it might have been harder to leave, but it's better because it's not where I am at at the time. Um, and that theme kind of follows throughout the album. Introspection, calling this album an introspective album would be the understatement of the year. Um, <laughs> it's definitely something where he's... He had to, he didn't have anybody else to talk to, so he talked to himself. It's several different versions of himself all over the tracks. And uh, sometimes he's talking about past relationships, but it never stops sounding like he's not just having a conversation with himself. Um, and, and I really appreciated that about this. We got anything else about Creeks? Um, that's kind of like the beauty of uh, talking about um, being snowed in and kind of like you're by yourself. So, like, you eventually, like, have those weird thoughts or conversations with yourself. Um, this also, this album reminds me a lot of, like, walking through snowy woods. It's kind of adventurous. You don't know where you're going, but you're still by yourself. And it's very, um, you have that connection. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, the next song that we picked was 33 God. So we'll give that one a listen. Snow, where life began when we were young, I smile. 
locked up on that boat in the street After you tied me in in the driveway of the apartment I was being Shut your sister home with a camera So I would have walked across any thousand all right, that was 33 God. Yeah, you can definitely see in that song the duality of his conference with himself kind of like play out a little bit. And this one really plays up the heavy religious themes, obviously, um, in the album where he was talking about dealing with thinking about religion and trying to find God and find answers. And as we know from the interviews he's done, he doesn't feel like he found it. And this song really plays on that a little bit. I do think that there's s significant parts of this lyricism that are stream of consciousness and that he's recalling memories. In addition to making allusions and writing out metaphors and talking about how he feels, uh, saying things like staying at the Ace Hotel if the calm would allow. Like Ace Hotel is, a, is an actual hotel in, or in L.A., right? It's an actual place. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like he's referencing a specific memory or specific time that he might have had a revelation or a struggle or uh, felt like he needed to get something out and it was it goes well with the rest of the rest of what he's saying you know we i'd be happy as hell if you stayed for tea this is how he grow now woman a child ignored there are a lot of people on the internet who think this is a great gatsby reference and if it is it's it's pretty well written in that Saying I'd be happy as hell if you stayed for tea is something that Gatsby says to her the first time she comes over. Um, and he talks about like, hey, you know, this is how we've grown. We're separate from each other. This is just how life is. And a child ignored uh, it could be a reference to the child that she has with her husband that is basically a set piece. They bring her out, show her off, say this is the things that my child has done. And any time that that's not something that they want to show off, the child's completely ignored. She might as well not exist. Right. If it is an allusion to that, it's very well done. It's so subtle that it's still a question while still having meaning without it. You know, it, even if it sounds like he's having an actual com he's talking to himself about a woman that he's met before or even talking about, hey, you know, God, it'd be nice if you just hung around for a little bit and showed me something or said something to me. All of those are full of uh, an implication, right, regardless of whether or not it's an illusion or not. Um, and, and I do love that about this, even if I don't necessarily agree with the way that he feels or how he walked away from this time. I think that his struggle and the thing that he writes out in these songs is important and has a lot of weight to it. And uh, speaking of duality, on a separate note, this whole album was mixed on an SSL duality. <laughs> I which did is, not know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a... It's both an analog and digital console. Digital recall, analog flow. And uh, I think with all the samples that we just heard in that song and like all the different tracks, his, his track counts are ridiculous. I saw a picture of one of the sessions. That is an impressive feat that they were able to pull that off. Um, yeah, so his his workflow is, is super quick. And uh, if he, he's got an idea, he, he just sits down with an SM7 and, and puts it down, um, duping tracks out and all that. So like these track counts end up huge and they they like they said they like to work in an analog realm because it's it's just more tactile and they can like grab knobs and twist it and such it's a little bit more uh it feels a little bit more musical uh musical and more creative in that sense um but again it makes it for a, a much more difficult and more complicated back end for mixing so again 
props to that because you heard the samples in in that song. It's it's fantastic. There's like these little talk like stream of consciousness consciousness talking in the background while you have these like bombastic drum tones everywhere. Um, is it's I, I love that song. That explains why you gave me a weird look when I said duality coming out of the break. Yeah, yeah, because no, I, I was I was questioning whether or not I should throw that that pun in there, and I decided, <laughs> well, why you not? You turned it into a good segue. <laughs> now it's not even a pun; it's just an excellent segue. And um, I really love the uh, the samples that he uses in this. Uh, he takes kind of the again the traditional idea of taking a sample and using that as your hook, as your like little thing that you repeat over and over, and instead creates an atmosphere. Um, in a background that's very textual. So, like, there's a lot of sounds going in and out of, like, Jess's voices and, like, a little bit of chord structure or, like, the big drums. Um, but it's it's coming from all over in different places, and it kind of matches where his songwriting is coming from as well. Um, interesting. I didn't know much about the Great Gatsby influence on this, but I, it definitely has that feel where there's this real world, but it's also like a lot of questioning and a lot of weird. And then there's a little bit of whimsical pulling out of it. And, um, the great Gatsby is one of those books that I really liked and found intriguing, but I can never figure out why. Cause it wasn't really my style or my cup of tea in books. I'm not a big reader, but for some reason that book stuck out to me a lot in high school when most people read that book. Yeah, uh, I mean, he has a lot of different things that can be left up into interpretation. Like, he specifically has a lyric that reads, um, uh, let me scroll down till I find it. Uh, yeah, so we walked up on that bolt in the street after you tied me in the driveway of the apartment at his speed. And that could just be a way of trying to warp the word bed to f- rhyme with street. But also, <laughs> bead is a saint. Saint bead. So... It, I, these are one of the moments that when I look at people kind of trying to take a deep dive into the lyrics, I wonder if he was trying to actually mean that. Because in my opinion, when I read this, this sounds like a specific memory that he had where he remembers a night where he talked about this and maybe was tied down um, of the in, into the driveway talking to somebody or spending uh, really pinned down by a thought or an emotion or maybe he is making a reference to a Catholic saint. You know, it's it's difficult to throw it either way, but it is it's fun to listen to and it's very pretty. It's one of those things <laughs> when you you know you see a rose or you look at um a morning glory unfurl. It's like this is gorgeous and I don't understand why it matters until you really dig in and you spend the time to figure out why a morning glory opens in the morning, you know, all that other stuff. It's it doesn't take away from what's actually neat and exciting about those specific lyrics. And, and I enjoyed a lot. Um, I, he always has a really good end to a song that see, sounds like it's coming to a conclusion, but really isn't saying anything. And so when he's talking about said, I would have walked across uh, any thousand lands. No, not really. If you can't, it sounds almost like an accusation of like, I would have gone anywhere for God, but it, I no, not really. If he wasn't willing to do it for me. Um, or if you take it a different way, if you read this whole song as if it's not about God, Right. So bear with me. Okay. It's called God. <laughs> but the whole song can play like he's talking to a jilted lover or he's mm-hmm. a jilted lover. Mm-hmm. So when you read something like I said, I would have walked a thousand, a thousand lands, but no, not really. If you wouldn't have. And we take it in the context of a relationship that sounds a lot more abusive. 
right? Instead of having this conversation with, uh, you know, God and feeling like he's not getting an answer, it sounds like he might have had a true and genuine love and relationship with something or someone or God and felt like it was hollow or it didn't ring out the same way on one end. And so it's, it's really interesting to hear. Um, and the way that he plays up these, uh, these uh, antiphonal lyrics helps play into that story quite well. Because like we said on the last one, where he wasn't afraid to just you know let everything have no delay, hard cut anytime the vocoder cuts out. And this, it's not the same way, but he's, despite having, you know, I haven't seen the picture, but it sounds like he has 100 tracks, right, on the album at least, or on the song More. at least. More. Okay, you know, whatever. Uh, 200 tracks, whatever it is. The fact that when decent chunks of it fall away, and it's only one voice talking, that that is still distinct, and he has made room to allow those lyrics or those voices to speak and breathe is really impressive. And I think it helps tell the story and the emotion behind a lot of these words. And I think that's a play to him in how you're writing the song lyrically and how you're writing the song in a production and music wise that they all start to wind together. And the goal is to keep them in the same world, in the same realm. And uh, I think that's a really cool play. And sometimes it's not even intentional, but it's just what feels right for that song for that part and how he's writing this very loose songs that can mean a lot of different things. His music as instrumentally could mean a lot of different things too, because it's not a very even structure. And sorry, go ahead. No, and it's still, but it's still cohesive. Yeah. Which is again, a, again, a testament to how well thought out the, the ending of the recording and mixing process was because this album started out as like 60 different jams and ideas that they started piecing together into these songs. And when you get that many different tracks, different pieces of different parts of different songs, you know, that it's real hard to make that cohesive and make it sound like it's an album. But I think they did a really good job of that because, again, it all flows together and such. Uh, I think one of the techniques they used was using all the same main effects like reverbs and, and delays and all that, they kept that those on basically the same settings so that everything would be in the same space, even though it might not be the same, uh, or even in the same realm as far as what the samples are, um, or what or the the source tracks are. Uh, they put everything in the same space by using the same effects, and they're trying to keep the cohesion of the album in that way, um, which is again, yeah, kudos like to them when we talk about 200 samples or we talk about that the songs are so different as far as the samples and the content that they use from song to song, then the things that start to stand out are what's the same, right? Those, those few things that are still the same from song to song begin to stand out more and kind of help it, right? So when we talk about what's easy to listen to when you're stuck inside, is this song, despite being really, really heavy and full of, of intent and emotion and thought, is still, when you throw it on in the background, unobtrusive and easy listening. There's really no part of this album that's jarring <laughs> at any point. You're never like, oh, oh, okay. It's very well put together and blends without ever feeling like you're losing interest. It's never the same from beat to beat, but it blends super, super well. Yep, it, it keeps your attention through the tones rather than through hooks, which is real interesting. Cause like you cannot say it's not an interesting album. It's not a hooky album 
at all. But like every sound is like, I want to know how they got that. Yeah. And that's that's why this is a great snow album, snow day album for me, is because I have all this time on my hands and I can nerd out over all this <laughs> junk. So sorry that all my comments are going to be about the production this time around. I mean, one of the things that I said when we were, you know, putting together some of the show notes were was I don't know which songs to put on here because I don't remember any of them, and that sounds at first like I'm dissing the album, but it's mostly that they blended so well that I didn't notice the transitions. Right. And some of that's the fact that my Spotify is set to do, you know, like a one second fade between the songs and connect them and blend them up. But also most players are made to do that unless you're listening to it on like a hard, um, like an iPod or something where you've specifically set it not to do that. If you were listening to it from a CD, it does have that blend built in. Right. But there are songs on this that are actually go into each other, fade into each other. Like exactly. there's a synth that is in the end of one and the beginning of the other that keeps going type thing. Yeah. Cause usually I like to listen to these, uh, listen to them once all the way through just on in the background, listen to it once where all I'm doing is listening to the song and then listen to it on shuffle, which kind of helps me pick up those songs that stand out to me. But for this one, listening to it on shuffle felt wrong. Like, more so than anything else that we've picked so far, putting this on shuffle felt weird in a way that I didn't quite appreciate. And so I stopped doing it. Like, almost three songs in, I was like, mm, no. <laughs> Just went back to listening to it in a row because it it feels like it... Yeah, I mean, it's just super, super cohesive, and and it allows the story that he's trying to tell, the, feeling, the feelings that he's trying to get out to kind of seep in um, subconsciously. We've got one more song. Uh, we've picked 29, number 29, Stratford Apartments. Hashtags, Stratford Apartments. Hashtag. <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> Roll the clip. <laughs> Sharing smoke in the stair above the hot car lot. The sun shine hard on the hills by. Sure as a living dream. It's not all in what it seems And the whole thing's hauled away That was uh, 29 hashtag Strafford <laughs> apartments. apartments or APTS apps. Yeah. apps. I 
like this song the most. It's definitely my, my favorite one. Um, half of it is the ridiculous commentaries from people trying to figure out what he's saying. When in my <laughs> opinion, this is the one that's the most straightforward about it. Um, it. This one really feels like a conflict of interest he's had with a close friend. Pretty much. That's it. Sounds like somebody he got high with and then developed feelings for. And they might have gotten intimate. And he didn't feel like they should have all the way. And then also felt like, well, I don't know how to stop. So we're going to keep going. And it really pulls this antiphonal um, conversation out very, very well because it splits it right down the middle. So this whole second verse where he's talking about hallucinating Claire, all of the vocals are on one side and then the antiphonal parts are on the other side. So it sounds like a conversation in a way that a lot of the rest of the album doesn't. But yeah, it sounds it, it's it's fun. I like it. I also like it when artists make up a word and just stick to it. It's like paramind is a real fun word <laughs> that have just thrown people through. A loop. <laughs> let, let me read you an excerpt from uh, the genius contributor, a uh, Justin Vernon Neo. Uh, I can't see the word. It's the word for making up a new word. Paramind draws upon the ancient Greek etymology of the prefix para, typically meant to indicate beside, beyond, outside of, or against. It poetically marks Vernon's transcendence beyond positionality, from being in the stare up off the hot car lot to being in a living dream hauled away, becoming a word off the page. Paramind then seems to connotate auxiliary thoughts, perhaps recalling the idioms in the back of one's mind, or out of sight, out of mind, or perhaps fragments of thoughts and memories beyond words. Or maybe he thought it sounded cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Um, to me, it reads, if, it, if it's going to have like an exceedingly good meaning, I feel like you would think of paranormal, you would think of mind, and you would think of an out-of-body experience. And that kind of sums up what he's talking about. He's talking about smoking a bunch of weed and having a good time and maybe having a couple out-of-body experiences where you don't necessarily feel like you're in control all the way. Um, and, and it plays pretty well throughout the rest of the album. That, that feeling is evoked well, I think, especially by this kind of pseudo-return to form from his first album while still retaining a lot of that vocoder symphony and uh, sampling that he's had before. Right, this is as close as you're going to get to like an, a normal song, kind of like a folky song. You got the acoustic yeah. guitar going through most of it and such. Um, you have melodies playing off each other more. Right, instead of just, like, I, I hear repeated parts in that, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I do think that it's interesting that these are the lyrics that have the most that make the most sense in a progression, right? Like I said, the rest of the album, a lot of his uh, lyrics feel like stream of consciousness. Hey, what about this? What about this? I kind of feel like that. And then eventually at the end of the song, he comes to some sort of a conclusion and resolves it. This is the only one that seems to ask a question and not be answered, right? At the end of this, he says, I hold the note. You wrote no. You buried all your alimony butterflies. And that's the end. And when you talk about alimony butterflies, you're talking about the money that you get paid out of a divorce. And then you're talking about butterflies, right? And there are a lot of things that it could be indicating, but it also could just mean that she's taken all of the things left that she took from him and buried it and forgotten about it. All of the things that, that she took from him on their limited relationship or whatever friendship they had, she took everything that she could have from him and now she's done with it. She's buried them and moved on. Right. Um, and butterflies can just be a word to describe what he felt was valuable and beautiful and fleeting. 
these fleeting, beautiful things that you took from a relationship and you've moved on and forgotten about them. Right. Or like butterflies in your stomach where like all the, the nerves of like, was this the right decision and such at the end of a relationship? Like, um, she's taken all that and buried him while he's kind of sitting here mulling it over still. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's heavy. A lot of this, when you start thinking about the lyrics is super heavy, even though the listening is very easy. <laughs> lyrically not so much <laughs> yeah that's where i've kind of sat more on was the the easier of the listening not as digging into the lyrics but i feel like the lyrics give it a lot more meaning meaning behind everything um it's interesting with this song more with the other ones he still uses a lot of different vocoder and reverb um and masking and changing his voice uh throughout the album and uh i was a uh, Reading a few different interviews, um, one was actually from his photographer, and it was really interesting. He went into the studio and um, was told by uh, Bon Iver himself that any photo that he was going to use couldn't have a full face of of him, of Bon Iver. So everything had to be um, in a different type of light. So like... You couldn't see his full face. You could see part of his body. Um, the best one, I think, is the uh, cover of him on all of his, like, a lot of his social media and Spotify, where he's literally holding up, um, a, it looks like a piece of the wall or something um, with a cloud on it, and you can only see one eye. And so I feel like that's kind of another theme of this whole album, is changing and masking his voice um, into something else. And, and then he tried to capture that through his photography as well. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, uh, the album's about being incomplete, so he's never showing himself as a complete person in any of the marketing for it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I think that also as we talk about it being light but super heavy and having a lot of implications and kind of masking it behind other things, I think of, of two songs in particular in the last maybe like four or five years that have done that for me. Um, the first one is uh, John Bellion, Ma's Joint. Yeah, is a is it like when I listened to the song that was the first song I thought of because John Bellion, uh, very different tonally, but that feeling of it's very easy listening and you really enjoy, it, but when you listen to the lyrics, it's heartbreaking, in a way that's rough, really, really rough to to listen to, and um, I think this does that well of presenting one thing to your ears and another thing completely different to your mind. Um, and, and I, and I appreciate that dichotomy. I, I think it's, I think it's well executed. Well, um, I know you also liked death breast on the album. Uh, Greg, do you have anything you wanted to add about that one? Yeah. Um, I really like just the opening track had some interesting stuff, but it was still on a very, uh, bony bear still, but the second track came in heavy with some real interesting, uh, distorted tones the drums were uh compressed and digitalized to the point of like you couldn't understand what they actually were honestly they probably weren't even drums they were they were played in a room but then they took a tascam tape machine and just like drove it as hard as it could possibly go and then some and so it's just smashed to all heck on a on a tascam and uh yeah good times yeah it, and I think it's super interesting because I feel like that song itself, but this whole album kind of embodies what modern day folk can be, where we can push the envelope on experimenting on different things, um, but still create and have that 
earthy humanist tone um but completely changing and completely changing the thoughts that we have on creating that yeah sorry i just realized i never said what that other song was that i was thinking of um, oh yeah you said two and you I said, said two. one <laughs> uh the second one is house of gold by 21 pilots oh yeah um it's a very cheerful major key fun song that is not fun <laughs> when you think about it a little bit <laughs> it's like oh yeah because you've had yeah um it's wholesome, but not necessarily the most fun implication lyrically. Uh, yeah, I, I think that it's also neat to hear somebody who goes for it in terms of being artsy without feeling like it's forced or that's the one thing that's interesting about the album, right? You can listen to a lot of up-and-coming artists who make the mistake of being like, man, I'm all about the art, bro, but <laughs> they they don't make anything of substance. They make something that's so out there and so much about the concept that you, they just lose the actual album in the course of it. And like you said, when you're starting with 60 jams, that sounds like that person. It's just about the concept, bro. And you've got like 60 little pieces. You just got to throw it together, make it tell a story. You could totally lose the entire through line. But he doesn't, and it's impressive. And, and I, I think it's, it's well done through most of the album. Well, um, we had a couple of runner-ups of what we wanted to talk about. Uh, honorable mentions and we want to go first yeah i'll go first so uh, i was going to originally do uh john bellion human condition but i'm going to go even deeper into the definition the album beforehand um when we were talking about snow i either felt like you know you're trapped inside or you could you could go out a little bit kind of adventurous or you go back to when you're like six i grew up in michigan so snow days were like, super exciting we had like a hill in our backyard we could go and we talked about this earlier so i feel like the definition is a very kind of whimsical fun literally the uh, luxury the last track the music video looks like a pixar film it has that vibe and he he says that all the way through and a lot of his albums have that very whimsical type of production on the background so i feel like this is a great fun kiddish like bringing back childhood memories type of album. Yeah. Go ahead. And uh, the, the one I was thinking of, actually, when we when we picked, when Greg threw out 22 a million, I was like, that that's perfect. That is perfect snow day music right there. <laughs> <laughs> and it uh, brought to mind another album that I heard, uh, Waif Soul, they're self-titled. Um, this is uh, by a buddy of mine, actually, Kyler Darren, a uh, fantastic musician and vocalist. But it has the same, kind of the same experimental indie vibe type thing, but it also has some more hooky stuff in there. Um, well worth going and, check, going and checking it out. But um, yeah, same type of vibes, kind of chill, uh, but still has those interesting sounds throughout that aren't the, the norm for easy listening. Yeah, mine's wildly out of theme. Um, <laughs> because when I think of like what I want to listen to on a snow day, I think of kind of like getting up and uh, kind of fighting the, the uh, what's a good word, lethargy that can settle in when you're kind of in Home Alone and surrounded by snow. So uh, Overexposed by Maroon 5 is kind of what uh, I thought would be a good runner-up. And it's mostly just for, you know, if, especially if you have snow a couple days in a row. This is like day three of snow. You might be a little uh, 
little in the the low energy end of the spectrum. Oh man, I get, like I a, get a cabin fever. I get cabin fever so bad when I have to get stuck <laughs> inside for too long. Exactly, exactly. So uh, a lot of times, like I do, I do really like Twenty Two A Million, and I like these kind of like soothing uh, albums, but. Basically, by the end of the day, I'm ready for there to not be snow anymore. And it's why I don't want to live in Chicago or New York or Minnesota. It's because I don't want to have to shovel my driveway every day. <laughs> and I want it to not be snowing most of, of the year, even though I like the snow. So, uh, And it's got a lot of different hits on it. Uh, Lucky Strike is a good one. Um, Lady Killer is really good. Payphone? I mean, like, I like Payphone, but that's not what you, I think You just my said favorite. hits. You just said hits, and you just, okay, like, yes, went payphone. right by that one. I think <laughs> that album had hit, all their biggest hits, for the most part. Some of them. Some of them. Of the modern... Like Jagger? I would no, say actually, I looked hits. it up. It doesn't. Yeah. I'd say they modern hits. Modern hits, yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, they got songs about Jane. This is also their... post The Voice. Yeah. So that's the other thing. So, like, this is they post The Voice. Marketing. They had all the marketing. big jump in between... Pre-voice and post slash still in the voice. He's still in the voice. And this yeah. w- is also right when, uh, before Starbucks started only doing weird indie joints. <laughs> and so this was like in the front of every Starbucks. It was. Oh, this is when they used to sell CDs in Starbucks. Yeah, I mean, they still do, but it's all the weird indie joints. Okay. <laughs> they got like a little stand <laughs> and it's, you don't know any of their names. You probably can't pronounce any of them either. And none of their tracks, all their tracks are just all lowercase and full sentences. You know, <laughs> the, those those bands. <laughs> they're, uh, I, I'm sure they're all great. I just haven't listened to any of them. Um, in, but yeah, I had one of my favorites on this is Wasted Years, uh, and that was the one in particular that bumped it for me, is that Wasted Years was a B-side that they had originally for It Won't Be Soon Before Long, and they had fully recorded it and everything, but didn't really polish it much, and then when this album came out, the deluxe version, they're like, just throw it on there. Producers, hey, you want to re-record? Nah. Just <laughs> just chuck it on there. It's fine. Don't even don't even worry about fixing anything. Just throw it on there. And so it sounds kind of like a garage band, <laughs> but it's good. I, I like it a lot. I, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, but yep. yeah, we're hitting uh, episode four. This is episode four of our podcast. It's pretty crazy, guys. Uh, and we did two podcasts that we didn't even throw up. So it's like six for us right now. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're feeling pretty good about it. Yeah. How do you guys feel about it so let, far? let us know if you're getting tired of our voices, you know? Don't. Don't let us know that because we're going <laughs> to keep doing it. So the best solution for you is stop listening. If you don't like the sound of our voices, then just don't listen. <laughs> and if I'm you don't sorry. like the sound of a specific voice, you can let us know that <laughs> one too. Uh, you know what? There's only one person here who's been told they have a good podcast podcast voice, and it's not you, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Just gonna throw that out there. Oh no, it's it's still weird. It's still weird every time I hear myself talk. It's fine. Yeah, it's definitely. And he's a singer, guys. He's uh, heard himself sing a lot. I've gotten I've gotten to the point where like hearing myself sing's okay. Okay, but still talking is a little weird. I can't. I have a really hard time listening to myself talk. Your, your sister fucked me up because she made this comment about how you sound different every time you talk to somebody. That like there are subtle differences if you know you had Wait, a really experience. who like anyone anyone. Oh, so okay. like I thought you said me specifically is like do I change accents oh, no, that no, no, no. much? Oh my gosh! <laughs> no 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 no. <laughs> uh, but she's saying like if you have an experienced linguist listen to somebody as they talk to different people, they will sound different depending on who they're talking to. Nobody sounds the same. From person to person, right? And so that makes it worse on a podcast 
Because while I'm talking to you two, I'm also very clearly recording myself. And so it makes it all... It's just I start thinking about way too much stuff. I can't do it. I'll spiral into my own doom if I start thinking about it too much. So I just don't. Well, and but man, that threw me through a loop. <laughs> and you talk to people with different accents. You like start to like vaguely pick up on theirs a little bit just because you hear it in their, in, in their accent. Like I've done that before. Um, I feel like my southern accent is starting to creep in more and more. But I definitely notice it when I talk to someone that has a thick southern accent. All of a sudden I'm like pulling out like letters and words i haven't done but like i've never talked this way before but all of a sudden i have somewhat of an accent is that if you want to get some of that it's not that bad it's not that bad (laughs) but then i also have like a customer service accent too where it's like yeah yeah because you definitely you just have your spiel and you just say it fast and then at the same time you try to be as nice as possible it's like the nice radio in it yeah and then (laughs) yeah when i used to take like technical phone calls i had a wildly different voice Oh, hold on. We need we need a sample of this. Go, Ralph. Uh, ring, okay. ring. What, what's what's my imaginary company? Because I'm not going to quote. Hey, Ralph, uh, I have a like, problem with my cell phone. No, what's my imaginary company? We'll be uh, Sean, Sean's Phone Fixers. There you go. Hello, this is Ralph from Sean's Phone Fixers. How can I help you? Hey, Ralph, uh, my phone doesn't work. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, obviously, you know, you use your phone for everything, so it's super important for that to be able to work for you, and I'll definitely be able to help you out. I know how to steal this phone that I'm talking to you right now from some uh, some person off the street. Well, you should probably return that phone to them. That sounds illegal. Um, but probably what did you not do to break but... your phone. <laughs> Man, it, it almost sounds like you care. <laughs> almost. I will say that we get graded on calls, and the one part that I always struggled with was the empathy part. <laughs> because somebody would be like, Hey, yeah, so I haven't been able to make phone calls for a week. I'd be like, Wow, that really sounds like it sucks. So anyway, what happened to your phone? I just instantly blow by it. Because I have no ability to care. Uh, and somebody's like, well, what would happen if, if you lost your phone for a week? I'd probably thank the Lord for giving me this <laughs> moment to realize how much control it has over my life <laughs> and the excuse to ignore everybody. <laughs> 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 so it doesn't work for me super well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're having fun with it. We're going to keep doing it. If you've got theme ideas, send them to us. Uh, I think that we had enough fun last week with our guests that we're going to try to pull in a guest. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we're going to get it next week, but maybe one of these times we'll pull in some more producer people. Maybe somebody who doesn't know anything about what we're talking about so that I can feel better about myself. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, but, you know, we're we're going to keep kicking it as long as we have fun with it. This has been the Just Vibin' Podcast. That's true. I should <laughs> probably start naming the podcast a little bit more. You know what? I, I thought about this on the car drive over. It's like, what if we rebranded to Music Science? Because I love saying that, like, you know, this is the best album to listen to, 22 million. It is the best album to listen to. Because when of you're, science. <laughs> when you're in home because it's been snowing, this is the best album to listen to, to science, according to science. Indisputably, we are all scientists and experts, so there's no arguing with it. We, we just send it, you know? We, I, just, we just speak the truth. I do have you know? a Bachelor's of Science See? Degree. Bachelor's of Science. I have nothing but <laughs> honorary scientist. I'm the lab assistant, you know? That's why I'm here talking. Because... I'll give you an honorary scientist. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know honorary. if I can do that. I can... You can, because you said you can. It's so my I'm own college. Scientist. I'm going to make up my own college. That will give you an honorary degree. and You'll be the one and only degree oh, that we hand out. But. We need to shut so this thing legal. down before it gets <laughs> 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 We're getting out of control over here. 
Um, uh, I'm Ralph. You can follow me on Twitter at the Ninth Ralph. We do have a Twitter account for the podcast. It's at Just Vibin Pod on Twitter. I'm gonna double check that. I think it's at Just Vibin Pod because we do everything for the uh, pod. And Greg, where can people find you while I'm double checking this? They can find me at Greg the Great with a T on Instagram. And you can find me at Sean, S-H-A-W-N underscore S-V on Instagram. Yeah, it is just vibing pod. So, yeah, that is where you can find us. Beautiful. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Just Vibin' Music Science Podcast. I don't know if I could do the science thing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard stretch there. There are going to be, like, guys coming in and be like, Oh yeah, like they've done some real research on yes. this, we're and then we're like, just yeah, you know, this album was kind of cool. Okay, we decided okay. to pick it. So for everybody listening, it's a bit. Okay, it's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a scientist. Okay, we're, we're all PhD musicologists here. <laughs> musicologists. We're senior editors of musicology for the musicology podcast known as Music Science by Just Vibin'. That's what we are. That's. A Long. lot. Yeah, that's a lot of <laughs> lot of stuff there. It's enough that if you type it into Google, you'll get nothing. So <laughs> that's what really matters. <laughs> Google threw its hands up. It's like, I don't know, man. What do you want from me? <laughs> Here's the top cutest cats that we found. <laughs> <laughs> Take your gif and get out. <laughs> uh, all right. See you guys next time. Later.